Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. With each episode, our diverse and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect, and refocus, and defeat the voice that we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Southwestern Advantage is about so much more than just helping your family with education. Our company is the nation's oldest entrepreneurial program, helping college and university students build character and develop the skills they need to achieve their goals in life. These are the kind of skills employers seek that cannot be taught in a classroom. Skills such as problem solving, effective personal communication with people from all walks of life, confidence, attitude, goal setting, and more. Since 1855, the Southwestern Family of Companies has invested in purpose-driven people who are inspired to build principle-guided businesses that impact the world. And for many, that purpose started with a summer at Southwestern Advantage. But this program isn't just about growing the young men and women whom you'll see in the community. It's also about growing your own son or daughter and the educational resources they will bring to your home are second to none with learning systems that address the whole child from preschool to 12th grade. Uniquely designed by top educators, these resources serve the modern needs of today's private, public, and homeschooled students. They're kid-approved, parent-preferred, and teacher-recommended. At Southwestern Advantage and the Southwestern Family of Companies, we invest in building people and inspire them to achieve their goals in life to positively impact the world. Learn more at southwesternadvantage.com slash action. Welcome to the Action Catalyst. Today, we are privileged to welcome a true trailblazer from her beginnings selling books door-to-door with Southwestern Advantage, becoming the company's first female sales associate and later the first female district sales manager to becoming only the fourth woman ever elected to Congress from Tennessee and the first woman from the state elected to the U.S. Senate. Marsha Blackburn refuses to be held back. Senator Blackburn, thank you for making time for us today. Well, I'm excited to be here and excited to be on a podcast that is all focused on moving forward, doing better, using your gifts and your talents. Well, your track record is simply remarkable, and we're pleased to say that it all started right here at Southwestern Family of Companies. Oh, that is exactly right. I talk about those moments that truly are a catalyst in your life that open doors of opportunity. And when I look across my life, I think about the windows that were opened for me through 4-H Club and how that helped me to think bigger than the rural Mississippi community that I grew up in. And then as my brother, James Wedgworth, went to work with Southwestern and then I wanted to sell books and we found out they didn't have women on teams selling books, but we pushed against that. And two of the sales managers were helpful to me in finding a way to learning how to sell. And then the opportunity of learning how to build an organization. And I use those skills today, learning how to communicate, learning how to do it concisely, how to craft that message that you're wanting to communicate. I look at organizational skills and how important those are 
whether you are in the corporate world or in public service, you know, one of the things that I realized through my Southwestern training and really began to appreciate was that you lead people and you manage assets. And learning how to build that organization and lead people, helping people to figure out what are their strengths and their weaknesses. How do they go about developing those strengths and weaknesses? Finding out what motivates them, what is at the base of their desires, helping them to realize they can dream those big dreams and they can make those dreams come true. I realized through my days at Southwestern as a student salesman and then as a sales manager, how important that is to invest that time that is necessary to build that relationship with people, that you really do help them be the best that they can possibly be. You know, I think of the pioneering that you've done for women at Southwestern and then going on to pave similar paths in Congress. What advice would you have to young women just getting started on having the confidence to go for their dreams? I would say have a curious mind. And ask a lot of questions. During my time selling as a student salesman, I realized the importance of asking questions. And I had never really thought about that before. So I like to tell students, ask a lot of questions. There is no such thing as a dumb question. And there is no such thing as a failed test because you're always learning and you want to have that curious mind that causes you to question things. How did this happen? Why did it happen? Why did it happen when it did and not earlier or or later? And whether it's events or whether it is science or whether it's medicine, the field that you're studying or looking at, just have that curious mind. And then the next thing is don't accept no as an answer. Realize that if somebody tells you you can't do something, you probably can. And it's probably going to be up to you to figure out how to do that. You look at some of our great innovations and some of our nation's great innovators or the world's great innovators. They refused to accept no or to hear you can't do that and looked for a way to make that happen. After learning how to build your own business in Southwestern Advantage and then serving as director of retail fashion and special events for a regional department store, you founded your own business, Marketing Strategies, which focused on retail marketplace plus electronic and print media. What what skills did you pick up during that time that served you later in your political life? I loved working with the Kastner Knot Company and had a wonderful mentor there, Ralph Glassford, who was CEO. And we had stores in Southern Kentucky, Northern Alabama, and Tennessee. That was a tremendous experience. And I really developed quite a bit of knowledge, meeting every week with Mr. Glassford and reviewing the promotions, looking at what was successful, not successful, learning to be critical and to critique my work. And many times that is something that people don't take the time to do is to really critique their work for effectiveness and look at that time, value, money, a situation cross-platform as to what is the return 
for the amount of uh, time that is invested. So that was a skill set that I developed in that and then went into business for myself. I wanted the ability to control my schedule, which working with a corporate entity, I didn't have the ability to do that. And as my children were young, I needed that opportunity to manage my own time. My husband was busy traveling in his work. And so it was up to me to be the chief chauffeur, the mom, filling in all the gaps, getting kids to where they needed to be. When I went into that work for myself, what I realized was that there are hundreds of small businesses out there that need someone to bring focus to their work, to help them figure out how to do a pro forma, how to price out projects, how to expand their communication, and to let people know that they're there and the availability of the product or either the service that they are offering. So working with smaller businesses was really what I loved, even though I had some larger accounts that I worked with and I enjoyed those also. And the good thing was working for myself, I was able to work with different industries and develop an understanding of how different industries work. And it sounds like That really laid the groundwork for when in 1995, you began your career as the executive director at the Tennessee Film, Entertainment, and Music Commission. What inspired you to make that jump into public service? Well, I will say every one of us that goes into uh, selling for Southwestern, every student that sells has a little bit of that entrepreneurial gene in their body. They've got to have it to go work on a straight commission, which to me was exciting. I loved it. So you kind of carry that all all the way through. And I had led a campaign for someone that was running for governor and they won and then offered me to come into that administration into their cabinet. What I wanted to do was take that old film commission office and turn it into film, entertainment, music, and interactive technology. That was the point in time when we were moving from analog production and uh, transmission communication to digital communication. That's when the internet was actually growing. So I took that leadership role. And by the time I left, We had transitioned that. We were focusing on the digital economy. We were focusing on digital production, which I felt like in that job, I was taking my private sector skills and my love of public service and bringing it to create the right environment for growth in the entertainment, the music, the film, the TV industry in Tennessee and different parts of the state seem to have a different role. In Memphis, you have the live venues and you have a lot of film production. Middle Tennessee, you have TV and music production. You go over to East Tennessee and it is primarily showcases and the venues that are there with the large shows that are in East Tennessee. And of course, you've got Sevierville, you've got Dollywood that is up there. So everybody kind of had their own area that they were working from to bring all that together and then to look at the way we could advance 
cable TV and production. You've got discovery networks that are over in Knoxville. You've got jewelry TV that is over there. All of the country music CMT networks, you have the different telecommunications and broadcast networks, RFD TV, all of that that is there in Nashville. And of course, we are seeing more of that move into the state. A lot of it has left California. A lot of the music industry has left and they have relocated. Now, here was the bonus. We recruited about $4 billion worth of infrastructure into Tennessee as I did this transition with the state and recruited businesses and we focused on digital. But here's what we learned was that digital production and transmission wasn't just all about the music industry. Financial services wanted to use these platforms. Healthcare wanted to use these platforms. And the auto industry wanted to use these platforms. So we realized interactive technologies was going to be an important component of the state. And when you look at the state today and you look at the economic drivers in our state, especially in Middle Tennessee region, what do you see? You see these interactive technology applications that are working in every industrial sector in our state. And much of it came about because we had that good basis in those entertainment-related industries. Wow. So obviously that helped provide an important bridge to running for Senate. What was it like to walk through those Senate doors? Well, the first set of Senate doors were the state Senate. When I was there in the state Senate, I led that four-year battle not days, weeks, months, but years to defeat the imposition of the state income tax, which has probably been the main driver for the growth in our state. So I led that fight. We were successful in that and then went to Congress and served in the U.S. House for 16 years where I really developed a reputation for reworking taxes, working on our commercial, our energy and commerce issues, and then won that race for the U.S. Senate. And what an amazing opportunity that is to work with people all across the state. And look at how we make certain that Tennessee is the very best place in the country to live, to work, and to rear your family. So from the state Senate to House of Representatives to U.S. Senate, what are the major differences between operating at each of those levels? You know, they are different sets of issues. When I was in the state Senate, uh, we really focused on what happened within the borders of the state and how was tax policy going to affect that? How was state-based regulation going to have an impact? Going to the U.S. House, you look at your district that you're representing and you focus on that district. My district was middle to west Tennessee. So you look at the needs of those counties, whether they're a suburban area or whether it is a rural area, and your policy decisions are crafted for how that is going to affect that specific district. Then with the state representing the entire state, you are looking 
at the state as a whole and the different areas of the state. But your responsibility also has to be to look beyond the borders of your state, beyond the borders of your country. And I have a seat on Senate Armed Services, and I may be working on dealing with the Chinese Communist Party, or I may be looking at how we deal with the issues in Russia, Ukraine. But you always have that filter of looking at what the people of your state want and what they expect from their federal government. And I say I get up every day to work on five things, preserving five things, faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. And the decisions that you make, I say, how is it going to encourage our faith and strengthen our families and broaden our freedoms, strengthen those freedoms? How will it allow hope for today, tomorrow, and future generations, and how does it affect opportunity for each and every American citizen? And so it means that with Senate Armed Services, we keep this nation strong, with judiciary, that we remain a country that abides by the rule of law and realize the importance of that. When it comes to commerce, science, and transportation, You're looking at how you increase opportunities for everyone. And Veterans Affairs, my other committee, how we make certain that we protect the men and women in uniform who have chosen to raise their hand, take that oath, and defend this country and our freedoms. Looking to the future, if there's one central idea that you think would help steer the country in the right direction and keep us on the path to growth, what would that be? We need to constantly remember that we, the United States of America, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. It's important to realize that our founders did not spell people in small case letters. It is a capital letter. It is a formal noun. And that is us, the citizenry, the people. And it is important for us to realize that and the strength that comes from that. We're the leader of the free world. If the United States does not show up to fight for freedom, if it is the people of this country that do not choose to fight for freedom, then there will not be someone show up to fight and defend this nation because we are a government of, by, and for the people. Senator Blackburn, you're an inspiration to myself, to women across the country, and to our listeners here, the Action Catalyst. Thank you for investing the time in us, and we truly appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care. Bye-bye now. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. And to stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and on Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. And thanks for listening.